Meat for tea is the ticket, a buffet of the sublime, the valleys and beyond avant-garde review, a cirque of word and visual art, film and music performance served up by impresario Elizabeth McDuffie and Sone Lab's sound guru Mark Allen Miller putting a crisp five-star multimedia cool out there. And who, I ask you, wouldn't want a piece of that? That's the record button. Have we started? We have started. So this is the Meat for Tea cast. You might always start like that. Who knows? I'm Elizabeth McDuffie, founding editor of Meat for Tea, The Valley Review, and this is... I'm Mark Allen Miller, sidekick and uh, co-conspirator in Meat for Tea. Yeah, and I'm graphic designer and web guy and um, the hats. host of the Cirques and a whole bunch of stuff. The hats, there are many. Hello. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining us. For season four, episode 26, 26 of the Meat for Tea cast. Hello, listeners. Yeah, welcome. We have a wonderful conversation in store for you. Mark yeah. and I both had with Kevin and Diane Germain, owners of the very, very charming and beautiful Splendor Solace bookstore. It's on uh, Market Street in Northampton. It's on Market Street in Northampton, for those of you that live in Western Mass and haven't heard the location where Gabriel Books used to be has another bookstore in it, and it's equally rad. It is. It's equally rad for a number of reasons, one of which is they got to hang on to some of the amazing stock that Gabriel Books had. Yeah, there's some really wild, wild books in there. It's like stuff I'd never even imagined existed. There's really, really cool things. Those of our listeners that aren't in the Western Mass area, well, when you travel, put this on your list of Western Mass destination bookstores to check out. Yeah, so we have a really wide-ranging conversation with them, all sorts of different topics. Really fun, largely focused on the backstory of how they came to be the owners of Splendor Solace and the trajectory from it being initially an online bookseller and then transitioning to brick and mortar. Yeah, and a whole bunch of backstory of how they met and their time in Boston and their schooling. It's just, it's a really, really fun conversation. Well, they're lovely people. Yeah, they are. Very lovely and smart. Before we talk into this, Maybe it's time to share a little review. Yeah, we should definitely. We've got a nice review from our 100th. For our, yeah. on our 100th on episode. Our 100th. Yes, exactly. Which, if you haven't listened, our 100th episode is a humdinger. It's a doozy. We have people over here, and it's a whole party of live poetry readings and music and just lots of stuff to make your ears happy. So, Jerome Berglund writes another episode knocked out of the park by the incomparable meat for tea luminaries bringing riveting discussion raucous humor astute insights into current events educational revelations about arts and literature 
Truly a special and exemplary edition not to be missed, which can be appreciated equally by longtime fans and new listeners alike. Mm. Thanks, Jerome. Thanks, Jerome. Yeah, that's a, some, some high praise right there. Put my elocution to the test. Thank you, for Jerome, for keeping my elocution in practice. <laughs> sort of like uh, Stephen Colbert's uh, Injured a Meanwhile. Yes. Oh, that's always so good. I invite you all to... We, we love um, reviews for a lot of reasons. One, that they move us up in the algorithms, and another, they help your friends and family find us. And you can leave us a review in Apple Podcasts and with writing. Copy and paste that. Pop on over to Good Pods. Leave us a review there. Have your bases covered. Good Pods has a really cool social media-like function where you're able to share the episodes you like listening to. When you finish listening to it, there's the option to share and you can share it to a number of places in your social media. It's very simple. It's just a little little click of the button. Mm-hmm. And additionally, if you hit on any of the podcast apps that you listen to podcasts on, like and subscribe, all those fun things that the YouTubers tell you to do, smash that like button. Oh boy, I get so tired of hearing that. I'm sorry we have to say it over and over again too, but it really does help us in the algorithms. Tell your friends about like and subscribe. That way people who don't know who we are and you don't know personally won't be able to find us more easily. It's pretty simple. Thanks. Little bit of speedy, speedy housekeeping. All the best ways to support the Meat for Tea cast can be simply found on our website, meatfortea.com. M-E-A-T-F-O-R-T-E-A.com. There you will find ways to purchase PDFs or physical print issues of Meat for Tea, the Arts Literary Journal, to subscribe, to donate. You'll find our Patreon page. We've really been bulking up what we've got for you over in Patreon, by the way. Mm-hmm. You can check that out. You'll find our spring store where we, we got we to gotta run another sale. We're going to run another sale, but pop on over there because there's... There's stuff. There's some pretty cool Mother's Day gifts in there. Books, too. we got lots of books. We're putting out books. We are putting out books. We've got a new one coming out very soon from Lindsay Atkins. Technically, actually, it's out, available for pre-order as we record. It is. Fixing the Halo. Brilliant collection of poetry. Midnight Glossolalia was recently released. We have one coming up soon from Jerome Berglund. There are plenty of books to be found. Definitely, definitely. And you can, on that website, our website, you can find the ISBNs for those so you can go to your local bookstore and order them that way if you so choose, which is great because then you're supporting us and supporting your local bookstore. Yeah, we encourage you to do that. Yeah, I mean, you can order them directly from us too, but local bookstore. Go support it. We like them. So, have we done it? I think we've done it. I think we've done it. Let's get over to our chat with Kevin and Diane. Yes. Here they are. Okay, so I would like to officially welcome to episode... Oh, jeez. 102. Yes. Season four, episode, is it 24? I'm not sure. Well, it'll be, if you're listening to this now, you'll you'll already know what the episode number is. Yeah. Anyway, I'd like to officially welcome 
Diane and Kevin Germain. Yay. Hey. Newish owners of Splendor Solis bookstore located in the beautiful location that once housed Gabriel Books. And I was so happy to see that space occupied by another cool indie bookstore. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, we're pretty psyched too. We, uh, Gabriel Books has been, was there for like 30 years. Was a it a long that, time? It was a long time, right? They were kind of a Northampton yeah. landmark. Yeah, he was, I think the um, John um, Riley. Riley was, yes, was the owner for 30 years, but then he also was part of the, the Globe bookstore. Mm. And my understanding as well that he was part of the initial setup of the, the Iron Horse, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so they've been, um, so both, so John Riley, the previous owner of, of, of well, the owner of Gabriel Books, um, and his wife, Patty, they ran a, a variety of different businesses in downtown Northampton bookstores um, or the Iron Horse. I don't know what it was. I don't know what they. I think it was. They started Iron Horse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she said she had something. Uh, didn't she have like, like another? Used clothing, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. Used clothing. I wonder where that was. Yeah. Wow. No. I don't know. Yeah, with that. That would have been. Gosh, probably the seventies. Oh yeah. man, they did that. Yeah, yeah. Possibly. Don't quote us. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. Historical accuracy. But so basically, we got the we got the the bit her. You know, we you know kind of jumped in in their business has been there for a long time. So and they were a long time Northampton people. Um, so it was kind of. Um, it's kind of an honor and really, you know, grateful to be able to kind of pass, have the torch passed to us in, in mm-hmm. a certain way. Because when I was a kid, I used to, we used to come to the bookstores here. So um, when I was younger, so it's kind of nice to take up that, um, to let it continue, basically. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so thrilled that you did. Those are big shoes to fill, but in my estimation, mm-hmm. yes, you're, they are. well, from where I sit, you're filling them handsomely. You're doing. Oh, thank you so much. You're so kind. <laughs> oh, I'm actually really not. I, that's just what I think. <laughs> Is this the point where I'm supposed to disagree with her? <laughs> no, you baby. See you're, her you're, epic eye roll. <laughs> you're, you're, Oh, geez, don't get me started. <laughs> well, welcome to the Meat for Tea cast, season four, episode 26, apparently. Episode um, 26? I, I, I'm losing. Yeah. Once, you know what happened? <laughs> like, I was always season four, episode whatever, and then we started doing the count up to our 100th episode because we had in mind to do something special for it, which we did. And then once I started thinking of it in terms of how many episodes, the season four episode, what kind of got yeah. erased in my brain. <laughs> so, so, okay, Kevin, I hear that you, from what you just said, you, so you're kind of a, a native to the Valley. Yeah. I, I grew up in Western Mass. I was, um, I was born in Springfield and then moved to uh, Palmer 
when I was, I don't know, 12 or something like that. And um, lived in Palmer and did Palmer stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then I went to Boston for college. Um, and then we came back when we got married and had a daughter, a kid. Um, nice. But so, yeah, so my dad was a big, um, in terms of like books and things in Western Mass, we would, we would drive all over Kingdom Come in West, like every corner of the, of the state to go do stuff. And we would stop pretty much at every bookstore along the way. Mm-hmm. How cool. Yeah. That's a cool dad. Yeah, it was it was great. You know, it was really touching, you know. I mean, sometimes we used to make a joke because he would take like the, you know, you could, we'd go someplace that's like 20 miles, like, you know, 20 minutes down the road, but it'd take my dad like an hour to get there because <laughs> he would take the longest route and they always joke about it. Um, but, you know, now, you know, but we kind of look back upon fondly now. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a Valley, I'm a Valley native myself as well. So my next question real quick Amherst, is, you're born and raised yeah, Amherst. Born and raised in Amherst. My next question is, is back in the day, if you were a record shopper, oh, where would you have shopped? Well, record shopping. It's funny. I didn't pick up record shopping really until I moved Boston. to Boston, to be honest. Oh, oh where'd you go in so, Boston? <laughs> uh, would it have been Nuggets? Nuggets, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Nuggets. I went there Cheapo when I was record. Cheapo, sure. Yeah. yeah. Cheapo. Um, Jack's? Was it Jack's? Yeah. Was that in Somerville? I think so. And then Jack's was, was in, in Kenmore Square, too. No, I think it was oh. Kenmore Square, right by the rat. Yes, right by the rat. Because my, my, yes. my oldest brother, David, um, has lived in Boston for, for years and years and years. I mean, since I was... Uh, an early, I mean, maybe just barely a teenager. And I'd go and visit him. I'd go stay with him for a, a, week, a weekend, him and his his first wife, Bonnie. And one of the things was like going to Nuggets and going to, yeah. oh, there was, a, there was, what was the one by the rat? That was the one. What is the name of that I one? can't oh, think of it. And so, yeah, so those, those were like legendary record stores when I was like 13, 14 years old. I would save yeah. up my money for months. But but in Northampton, in Northampton, there was Main Street Records, right? Legend, yep. legendary Main Street Records, records yep. yep. And so that was a place when you know from Amherst, we would my friend Chris and I in in middle school would like hop on the bus, we'd make a day of it, and we'd go on a Saturday and we'd spend the day you know plowing through the the, the used records. But I ended up actually working at another record store in Amherst that I'd been shopping at since I was about 11 years old. I ended up working there for five years when I was a, you know, you know, late, uh, late teens, early twenties called for the record. And that was another great store. I don't know. Yeah. I think I remember that one. Yeah. No, that was for good days. It was like in the back of faces. I was old enough to go to like places like strawberries and things. Oh my gosh. You know, like like getting 45s and things like that. So yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, in, in you know, in Westfield, there was back in the day was Platterpus Records. There's Platterpus, yep, right. Who then temporarily, uh, Dave, the owner, was actually in the the Hampshire Mall. Yeah, he just he had to. I can't remember what the circumstances were, but he had to move out of his Westfield location, and so he's like, "Well, I'll try like doing an independent store in the mall," and to some degree, he succeeded. But then he got his location in East Hampton. 
Right. Actually, he's in his second location in East Hampton. I helped him move from his first location to his second. And he's still doing it. It's great. You know, true. Oh, yeah. No, he's still, yeah, he's been there a long time, right? He's like, yeah. 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 So anyway, I just, I figured like, you know, we can connect about bookstores and Elizabeth, of course, is, you know, is, is, is a very much a bookstore, not more than I am. But it's like, oh, but record stores too. And like a local. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, a local, a local Western mass connection. Uh, I was just trying to think of another. There was like one more book, one more record store I used to go to in Harvard Square. Like we're on a Mass Ave. It was by the Harvard bookstore. Oh. You know, it's kind of by Typo Tech where we used to work. There was like right up the stairs. and Oh. Well, the original or the second location of Newberry Comics was in Harvard Square. It may not have been in the first. Yes, and there was it, Newberry Comedy yeah, in the garage. But then there was one around the corner, which was down in the basement. Oh, man. That was wasn't, that? no, Newberry Comics was upstairs. You're right. Oh, Mystery Train. Mystery Train. Mystery Train. Yeah, or mis- Mystery it. Train's in Amherst. Was there a Mystery Train in There was, used to be one in, but the Mystery Street. I believe, there used, yeah, there used to be one in Boston. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, maybe, yeah. who knows? Maybe, maybe that's a relocated. Version, but there was another one. There was another one. Or in maybe it's a different, different owner. I don't know. Yeah, well, that would be a weird coincidence calling a record store, you know, in the same state but on opposite sides. Mystery Train. The same. The same yeah. Oh yeah. Who knows? Right. Mystery Train's a good store too. I mean, I guess right now we're we're, we're starting this episode shouting out like local bookstores and local and local uh, record stores. <laughs> so you you just said that you all met. Did you, or maybe I just imply this, you all met when you were in Boston? Yeah. We, uh, I went to, was start during our college years and in late 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, we both got a job at the same place in Harvard Square um, on Mass Ave. And um, we met there. Um, after so, we graduated. After yeah. we graduated. And so we work buddies, basically. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask what, what the workplace was? Just out of curiosity, it was a uh, it was a copy shop. Um, it's called Typotech. Nice. Yeah, and you know it was a it was a classic old school graphic house, graphic art house. I mean, they had photo department and a couple of what two color presses down in the basement. Um, Typesetting, typing, diazo, uh, diazo. Um, it was great because it was film, you know. This was like before yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. scanners and stuff, or bare or so. Um, it was down and dirty and, and pretty ugly. It was great. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's a lot of stories in that place. I'll tell you, it's a lot of funny stories. Now it's a yoga studio. Yeah, now it's a yoga studio. <laughs> of course, nice. If it's not a dispensary, it's a yoga studio. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. There it is. Yeah. Yoga studio. Yeah, corner. exactly. Oh, I have such a fondness for that old for that old printing tech too, because that was just on the cusp of of when places like Kinko's were starting to have the digital systems and all that. And I started yep. in in high school. I could never get into the shop class that the print shop. I, I it was an elective, and I signed up for it. It was a lottery, and I never got in. Hmm. And I would always visit my friends in there and it'd be like, show me how this works. Show me how this works. <laughs> and it was all. It was cool the day too. Yeah. Oh, we loved it. I mean, we both, Diane and I really, we kind of sank our teeth into it for a while. And um, 
Uh, yeah, we did a lot of graphic arts. I mean, she stat camera that was the size of our. It was um, a large format stat camera. It was great. It was the size of our living room. Wow. Yeah, it was yeah. like architectural drawings and things. It was great. But we, you know, we go there. Or she'd take pictures. We'd smoke cigarettes, like you know, in, in the dark room. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh nice. Breathe, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I could smoke in the dark room in my high school, but we could smoke kind of almost anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, but... it was all bad news. Yeah, it's that good. <laughs> oh, the dark room. Oh my God! Yeah, I, I, I did fine arts photo in college. Actually, too is like a subspecialization of my double major. One was art, but there is no smoking in the dark room. I distinctly remember no, that. There, there wasn't. <laughs> there wasn't I was. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was funny because there was for a while, never in the dark room, but on campus, there was smoking allowed. And I just remember like college professors standing in front of class and teaching and smoking and flicking their ashes into the wastebasket, which isn't that wild to think of? Oh, it's unbelievable. I know. I remember going to the supermarket with a friend of mine in Quincy. I grew up south of Boston. And she'd be standing there in line and light up a cigarette while we're waiting to check out our groceries. Well, you got to do something with those minutes that are wasted. You got to do something while you're reading the star paper. <laughs> Don't set the star paper on fire. So you grew up yeah, right. south of Boston. Where'd you grow up, Diane? Uh North Quincy, south of Boston. North Quincy. Yep. I went to school there, and as soon as I turned 19, I moved to Boston and uh, went to school. Lived with friends in Alston, Brighton, that whole area. I lived in Alston for a period of my youth. Oh, yeah? What years yeah. did you, were you there? Well, I, I was actually there for, like, Oh God, was it six months? I, I was actually, um, I had run away from home <laughs> and was staying with an inappropriately older fellow and um, going to, <laughs> oh boy, going to the Rathskeller. <laughs> yeah. Was there a place called Bun Rowdies? I seem to remember. Yep. Bun yeah, Rowdies. Bun Rowdies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Say that. So, it's a great club. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was way too, he was 36. <laughs> I was 16, so um I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> anyway, that was that was little tales of my misspent youth. Yeah, and that was back in the back in the days where if you were hot, it didn't matter if you're underage. The bartender would actually encourage you to be there cuz you know, gel bait keeps the drunk patrons around. <laughs> Jesus. Right. Yikes. I remember those days. My sister and I looked so much alike. We would go to the Rat Skeller and her <laughs> husband would be playing in the band and my sister would go in and then someone else would bring her ID out and give it to me. Oh, of course. <laughs> With the Perfect. same ID. When, when was this, Diane? Was this like late 70s? No, it was later than that. It um, Probably... Mid to late eighties. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm I'm older than you by some years. Yeah, this is like seventy seventy eight ish, and th th that was like uh, okay, wild. Yeah, this 
little later than that. But the scene was, I don't think, much different. No, I don't, probably not. I, the, no, no, probably. I remember it was pretty, it was always seedy. It was great. <laughs> but I think it turned over like in the late 90s and 2000s. Turned over to what? It, you know, it became gentrified. Alston, oh, right. Alston and that whole area, you know? for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, remember, I can't remember when they closed the rat down, but the rat's no longer open. I which know. is a shame. Pour one out for the rat. That was either, yeah, it was 90s or early 2000s when the rat went. I, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, I think so. So did you all meet in college? No, Um it was after we graduated. Kevin went to Berkeley College of Music and I went to Emerson College and nice. we both lived in Alston, but I think it was like 89, 90 when we Something met. Something like that. Yeah. 80, 89. Yeah. 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 Elizabeth was out of the room when you explained a bit of this, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I should explain. I'm um making my sourdough bread right now as we speak mm. and it's it's having it's um well right now it's having a bench rest but I was uh, I was out uh, doing um a pre-shaping and in about 20 minutes I'm gonna do a final shaping and pop it into Banneton and get it in the fridge for an overnight cold proof. Mm, sounds sounds delightful. I wish yeah. we had like a smellatron on. Um, <laughs> well, there's not much to smell now, but tomorrow morning when I'm baking it, things should start smelling pretty good. It's pretty. We'll have you over. We'll definitely have you over for dinner. It's it's that would be nice. That would be great. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Like that. So. I'm sorry I interrupted because you were actually going on a slightly different tangent. I just wanted to tangents are encouraged. Uh, the so <laughs> you you all described where where you you know where you worked, but but how did you you were starting to get to like the, how you came to that? How we came to meeting one another, or yeah, I mean, was it was it was it at the copy shop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We oh, met okay. at Typo Tech. Um, okay. and then we found out we were neighbors in Alston. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so coincidentally, we were like literally like her house. She moved into an apartment that was like right behind me. So, you want to hear a cute story? Yes, <laughs> yes, please. Always cute stories are great. That's like the concept, I think. Some part, so we lived partially. behind one another, and this was before cell phones. Obviously, we had telephones, of course, but Did we you? thought it'd be cool. <laughs> 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 we thought it'd be cool to um, uh, communicate with. Tin cans. I don't know how he- oh my god, that's so awesome! I was gonna guess that. Oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> I don't know. Tin how cans and a string. In string. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're gonna do with you guys if Zoom didn't work out yeah. for this episode. Okay. My, my empty can of beans with the yeah. string attached. It didn't really work. No, it didn't work. No, it, but this it, it didn't work. Oh it didn't work god. at all, did it? No. No, yeah. It was, it was pretty, too far. It was like, I don't know like if that really works. 50 feet or something. You would have needed a really tight string. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah it needed to be like five feet, not 50. Made out of metal. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. A metal that string. That was our buddy friendship. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. I love it. That's adorable. I love that so much. So, yeah, I grew up in, um, well, all over New England for reasons still mysterious to me because I'm not a military brat, but we moved like every two years. 
But one of the places where I started elementary school was Walpole, Mass. Oh, Walpole. All right. So you're from the eastern part of the state, too. Yeah, Walpole, and then middle school in West Boylston, where I sang with the Worcester Concert Choir for a while. Nice. So, yeah. Eastern so did you Mass. end up out here? Um, PhD program. Gotcha. UMass or? Yeah, composition rhetoric. Nice. Yeah, not MFA. Although I've been almost like given an honorary MFA by a lot of my MFA friends for doing me for tea. I'd rather have never that. left. <laughs> so I want to hear more about these epic bookstore journeys that your dad would take you on. That's so cool. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, they are epic only like, I guess from a boy's, you know, a 12 year old standpoint, really. But we would drive through, uh, you know, where did we go? I mean, we would go down to well, yeah, West, West Brookfield or, or where were some of the other places? Yeah, Actually, we drove through East Hampton. It would have been like, this would have been late seventies. Oh, wow. Uh, I would, or maybe early, early eighties. But I re- recall there being a, uh, an occult bookstore on um, Cottage Street. Really? Yeah. Um, and I don't know how long it, I don't know how long it was open for, but um, I remember we stopped there once or twice. But, you know, mostly it was just like my dad, like, you know, they, he had this thing that they, we would do on the weekends. He, he liked to go out to breakfast and then we owned some land. He, he owned some land up in Chester, up in the hill towns. And we go up there and it was just woods. And we would kind of trump around um, in the woods and do stuff. Um, he thought he was going to build a log cabin up there, but he didn't, mm-hmm. didn't really do that. But still it was, you know, I was a kid and, um, it was really mostly just like, you know, tagging along with my parents. So, um, and usually it was just like really long drives either to, you know, some breakfast place and then like an antique shop to, or, or, or a bookstore. So, um, was Haymarket a bookstore of coffee shop when you were a kid? I don't remember if it was both or not. Cause I remember that when we lived in Boston. And driving out to visit your parents and yeah. go to Northampton. And do you guys remember when Haymarket had books downstairs? Yes. Vaguely. Mm-hmm. Yes. They, they did when I when I first moved out to Western Mass. Because Haymarket was a nice place to um, sit and grade yeah. student papers. Yeah, I think that would have been like the mid-90s or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. Well, I didn't get here, I didn't get here till 98, fall of um 97, 98, and they still had they still had the books. I don't know if they sold them oh, though. Oh, that's right. I sort of remember I think that. They were too. decor books, which is a weird concept. I think it was like, yeah, I think it was sort of like, yeah, you could buy them if you wanted to, but it didn't really matter. Yeah, you'd have yeah. the chair, the table. Was in between two stacks downstairs, I remember, but I yes. don't remember the books being right. Yeah, I don't remember the books being very memorable. <laughs> it was just cozy, sweet, you know. Yeah, I it think was it an aesthetic. Like, like, yeah, yeah. I always kind of huh. thought they might have done it for like um, sound insulation purposes because uh, the the baristas, the Haymarket staff, really like to 
crank their music, at least by the time I got here. So you'd think that mm-hmm. the books would absorb some of that. Perhaps. <laughs> well, I'm not a sound engineer. My husband's like, yeah, that doesn't I'm, work. I'm weighing in and going, mm, it's not going to stop sound transmission. Don't they make it quieter when you crank music? No, they don't. Books, bookshelves are fantastic sound diffusers, which means if you've got a room that has a lot of, if if you've got a room that has a lot of reverb in it and you, and you mine the walls with bookshelves filled with books, you're going to break that reverb up. They will not stop sound transmission from the baristas cranking the music on the floor above down to the, they're not going to absorb anything. They're going to diffuse it, but it's still going to be just as loud. It'll just be tighter. <laughs> of course, sound notwithstanding, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of, other than kitchens and bathrooms, have raw horror at the idea of a book without bookshelves in it. I mean, a room without bookshelves in it. A book without bookshelves. A room without bookshelves. That there's just I, I've been in homes where where there's no visible books, and I. I find myself wanting to leave, like immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that movie, Get Out, Get Out. Yeah, <laughs> you guys were both in Boston until how long ago? Um, two, 1999, 1999. 1999, oh, okay. 1999, we moved to Northampton and we bought our house in 2000. Yeah. How did I not meet? And I moved here in 98, well, fall 97, oh, really? 98. Yeah. Oh wow! To start similar time. This yeah. Is, this is why. This is why you look familiar to me. Is that we've definitely, definitely been in the same space together. I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time hearing you. What did you say? Oh, just just when we were in the shop the other day, and and particularly Kevin, I was just like, I know you, but I don't well, know. You. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. We're around. You know. We're around. Exactly. Small That's, town. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yep. I was wondering because you guys were here in 99. I came here late 97, 98. So were you guys, did you guys frequent the Bay State Hotel much back in that heyday of the late 90s, early 80s? No, not at all, actually. Not a, so that's not where we would have seen you. Mm hmm. Let's see, early oddies was that was that around the time of like when the swing cat came in and that eventually turned into the elevens? And Fuck I think the swing cat. Oh, I know. Oh, right. Is it Florence? Is it Florence? No, that was that was yeah, I, I hear a muffled sound too. I hear what you guys are talking about sonically. It's an internet connection thing. Yeah. It, it could just it's be like the, thing, yeah. It could be the, the internet's just being kind of shite. I don't know. Sometimes rainy, weird weather does that um no the swing cat was kind of across the street from sylvester's well sort of right yeah yeah kind of across the street from sylvester's yeah yeah roughly i don't remember that place at all it was it became the 11s it was on the corner of pleasant and pearl street yeah Um, it became the 11s and tell leo riley's yes what was down the street that they it was um a rooftop club going towards where the the Mac store is. Oh yeah, kind of at Spaghetti, kind of like yeah, by Spaghetti Freddy's. No, it's further yes. down. 
was but further it, down. It became Divas at one point. Divas. That's it. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was above the. Um, was it a car wash? It was like by the. Car above wash. the car wash. Yeah. Yeah. Divas. And it was it was called something else prior to Divas. I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, they had that. They had that rooftop patio thing out in the front. Oh, the street. Like a yeah. goth night or something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny when we moved out this way, we weren't into the, like the music scene because we had a young child at the time. So I yeah. think our it was a it was different scene. It was for me. It was like you know, libraries and bookstores. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> libraries and bookstores is a good scene. How old was your was your daughter when you guys moved here? Um, they were three. Yeah. When we moved here. Yep. So little, you know, mm-hmm. we were doing swim lessons and <laughs> story time and, and nature classes and things like that. So kids, kids stuff. Kids stuff. <laughs> but we did all the stuff when we were in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Clubs and things like that. I feel like a bad mommy. Because I, I, I went out to shows, um, but Erin Aaron was five. She's my youngest. Uh-huh. And How many kids do you have? I have three. Actually, my, my eldest child just had his 41st birthday. Oh, oh my, my God. Wow. <laughs> I may not have been that old when you I had You can't him. be that. No, you can't have a 41-year-old. Well, you can when you have him when you're 19. That's how you do it. You <laughs> there you <Yeah>. go. <laughs> That's it. it. It makes getting your school done very interesting. I, I can imagine. Right. Uh, I remember poor Aaron one night. I'm like, I don't really have time to read you a bedtime story, but I want to read you something so you can choose. No, actually, it was Madeline. You can choose from my homework. Would you like rhetorical theory or Middle English dream visions? (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) That's great. I love it. I I know. And and poor Madeline. That's right, because... She would have been 11-ish at the time. She's like, okay, well, a rhetorical theory. So I started reading her some of that, which is, you know, pretty dense. And then five minutes in, she's like, actually, could I have Middle English dream visions instead? So I started reading her from Parliament of Fowls. I believe in the Middle English. And she's like, well, this is better. <laughs> the things you do just to survive the grad school and not neglect the children. Oh, yeah, you do what you have to do. Yeah, which included for me going out to shows. But by the time Erin was five, her sister was old enough to somewhat babysit. I, I, Because she was six years older. Mm-hmm. So Erin would get her bedtime ritual, which she referred to by name, hmm. actually, which included, you know, bath the time. bedtime ritual? Yep. Because there was a night when I had to get a, a sitter all together and had to be at something earlier. And she's like, but mommy, are you going to skip my bedtime ritual? <laughs> oh, my God. That's so adorable. <laughs> right? Are uh, kids readers? All of them. And writers and artists and vinyl collectors. Yep. Nice. 
all. That's oh, awesome. Oh my gosh, I'd 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 hang my head in shame if it were otherwise. Right? Sure. Oh yeah, no, I get that. Uh, yeah, our our kid was a big, big reader too. Um I remember in the like doctor's office or you know they have the books and the toys and that's what Isadora would grab, would yeah, be like one of the books. chunky books, you know, and just flip right through it. And it never stopped. No. Kept reading. Yeah. That that's that's the the, the best thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. No, that that all all of them are big big readers, artists, writers, musician. They're 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 deeply creative. One of them is actually rich. My forty-one-year-old <laughs> tech boy son who lives in Seattle. I don't have the skills myself to do that, but I'm glad that somehow he got them. What does he do? He's a tech boy. He's a user experience designer for Sage Industries. He creates like an algorithm similar to social media for people to track their medical records. And you know I'm just making sounds with my mouth, right? You you can <laughs> hear that I don't know the meaning of anything I just said. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's just an algorithm to track your yeah your medical records. I'm just yeah, making makes, perfect <laughs> making sounds with my mouth. I don't know. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, no algorithm. Yeah, it's a great umbrella. That, that's what he right. does. It, it, yeah. it makes it pays well. <laughs> yeah, it does. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, you guys had your young child, and you guys didn't have the convenience of having older siblings to babysit that young child. No, basically not. Yeah. So yeah. they were an only. So yeah. The three of us. So I have to say they inherited um I think both of ours musical taste because when they got older, um they went to see Black Sabbath Black Sabbath with their dad. And they nice. for Christmas one year to go see The Cure. So, <laughs> I'm proud of that. Yeah, just, you should be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's pride-worthy. Very good musical, musical uh, background. That's fantastic. Yeah. And that we could share it together was fun, too, you know? I know. I know. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, all, all all three of mine have awesome musical taste. So what happened? Like, okay, so you first got here with your little child, and what was their name again? Isadora. I love that name, Isadora. And um, what were you guys doing besides raising an adorable little kid? Working primarily, for the most part. Where at? I was doing. I was working at graphic. I was working at a graphic shop down in Chicopee, um, doing commercial printing. And, what was I doing? Well, probably busy with Isadora for a while, but then you started doing nursing. That was later. When they were in like middle school. I was nursing school. Um, but before that, I just did some kind of like a little bit of graphic design, a little bit of um, 
this, a little bit of that, just to, you know, work when Kevin was home. So um, we didn't have childcare. Um, yeah, oh, so you, you, you split it up. You, you split up the time, the, the, who yeah, went to work and who, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's kind of how we, and we were able, we were able to do it. I mean, it was grateful that way it was, you know, it was down mm-hmm. and take it for granted. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I went to nursing school. Yeah. Are you a nurse, Diane? I am. Wow. Your bookstore has an in-house nurse. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. So if there's any like, you know, bookstore injury, we're on it. <laughs> we we won't advertise yeah. that part. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I trust you, we do have band-aids in the back. We'll keep that on the DL. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. No. And Kevin actually went to school for um X-ray tech. So we're both in the medical world. Yeah, we've moved around a lot. Yeah. No, I love that. And you had some poetry published in which issue of Meet for Tea, Kevin? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I mean, I could have done my research and looked it up, too, like a good podcaster. Uh, no, well, I could have yeah, I I done my research and have it close by. But um, oh, where is it? Over here somewhere. Maybe at some point we'll have you read a, a piece. I know it wasn't that long ago. It was pre-pandemic, though, right? Pre-pandemic. Yeah, it was, it was pre-pandemic. Def- it was definitely, definitely pre-pandemic. And before then, times. <laughs> yeah. Before the, yeah, before the red herring. <laughs> the red herring. <laughs> the slippery slope. The slippery slope. Wait, um, can you? you know, I have some, I'm, I've written a little bit, but not published a lot. Um, I liked your writing, I recall. Well, you, you published it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I sort of assumed that y- you were like, um, UMass MFA. But I, my schooling was sort of tortured, actually. Um, I, went to, I went to music school and then... Berkeley, um, yeah. Yeah, um, but really didn't really get any kind of degree to speak of. Um, I just took, took all the music classes. Um, and then years and years went by and um, I kind of... Realized I wanted, you know, I wanted to finish off my bachelor's, so I went to UMass to do the um, what was it called there? Uh, yeah, the class without walls. Oh, university without walls. Yeah. Yeah, university without walls. Yeah. Um, and finished off my degree, with bachelor's, which was great. I mean, it was nice. I learned that I could actually write. Um, you can. It was fun to do essays and things, but. Um, it didn't really, it just kind of was just like, oh, now I got my bachelor's and, you know, I still didn't really have a plan. Um, you know, like, how am I going to, what am I going to do with this thing that we do university? Yeah. Um, so long story short, um, I went back to school again for, uh, radiology <clears throat> and got an associate x-ray. So, um, but the plan there was, so it was actually a plan. So I had, the plan was is that I was going to get a medical job so that I could take it, do it whenever I wanted to do it, because it'd be like as a, like a part-time thing in order to fund a life where we didn't work as much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I could spend time together, you know, Clever. living the life that we want to, you know, to live together, you know? 
didn't really see us like um, retiring, but no, I've envisioned, you know, like, okay, well, we're going to need to work. Well, what can we do that would produce the you know, most amount of income, you know, in a, you know, in a short amount of time? Well, mm-hmm. medical business, you can pretty much always get a job. So that was kind of how it panned out. And it's kind of coming true at this point now, really. Yeah, because we, we didn't really have a plan for the bookstore, the brick and mortar or an online business as it started. But we had an idea that we wanted to do something. Something kind of alternative, you yeah. know? Um, like basically invent, you know, make our own life, basically. So that's kind of yeah. like, it's kind of what we're doing. It's like, we're not relying upon anybody to really pay us per se, or to, you know, to, we're cobbling things together to make things work, basically. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, which, well, I mean, which lots of people do. I mean, we're not re- reinventing the wheel in any shape or form. But, but I uh, think it was COVID that really kind of knocked it all into gear for us that, you know, we realized, okay, now it's time yeah. to put this plan into action. How can we do this? No, I feel that totally. Nice. No, I remember when Splendor Solis was um, just just an online bookseller. I, I remember seeing exactly your post. Yeah, I think I even messaged you, but just because I've I've just been, I'll be honest about, I've just been trying to get those freaking Deepak Chopras out the house. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I nice. can't get rid of them. Nice, nice, nice. I, I, yeah, don't... I think we still have like 10 copies of Celestine Prophecy still hanging around. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, so that's, that's, that, that's the equivalent of like, like Frampton Comes Alive then. <laughs> See, there's my, my, my frame of reference right there for you. Yeah, oh, my God. God. That is a good one. I actually went to a record store and bought Frampton Comes Alive when I was like 14 on purpose. Oh my God. Slightly embarrassing story. When I was 14, there was a record store in Amherst called Backroom Records. And they had, you know, they had new records, but they had mostly used records. And they had an arcade in the back, which of course was a giant attraction for us. us Wow. Played a lot of a lot of Tempest and Centipede and Ms. Pac-Man. Yeah, I mean, just so many, so many great games. But they had one bin. They had one bin, a full like you know record bin about you know sixteen inches deep, entirely, entirely Frampton comes to comes alive. I mean, it was the whole bin, the whole bin, and they were all they were all fifty cents or a dollar depending <laughs> do on their condition. Do you feel like we do? <laughs> It was it was it was easily easily eighty or ninety copies of Frampton Comes Alive in this bin. It was. I just want to see a photograph of that. That's so hilarious. I wish I I wish I'd taken a picture of it. Someone should just like do a wall. It was. Oh man, there's oh there's so many art projects that can could happen from that. That's so good. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I thought that was good music. One year, right. and then the it's very next thing. year, like Patty Smith's Easter came out, and I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. now I know." Uh, right. right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it. You know, in in the grand scheme of things, I'm not going to say it's terrible, but in the grand scheme of things, also time is not bore it well. <laughs> right. I, that's pertinent. Exactly. In the year it came out, yeah, that was great. it was awesome. The years <laughs> kept going on though. 
Yeah. And and sold millions. If, if you have the dubious taste that most 14-year-olds have. Right. <laughs> yep. Where your taste is just sort of kind of forming, right? At 14. Oh, yeah, I, it's getting pushed around by parents and friends and TV and all, all kinds of things. Of things. Man, I got, I got lucky. Yes. What a lovely question. I love that so much. It was the, well, wait, my very first My 45? very first 45, I don't remember. Jeez. Oh, well, I do. I had a... But th- that's when I was three, so it was bought for me. <laughs> but it, oh, oh my god! And I I had a little record player in my room, and I'd been taken to the movie theater to see, upon its release, um, Mary Poppins. <gasps> oh, that's a that's amazing. So I had. Um, a little 45 with a spoonful of sugar nice. on one side. And I think, if I remember, the B-side was We Love to Laugh. Oh, I thought Were they floated in the air? I thought with the uncle? Yeah. And I, I, like to, I like to play a spoonful of sugar on my little portable turntable in my bedroom and dance and sing along to it. Oh. Is it the same 45? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know what became of that 45, but I, I guess it, I guess it must've been, but that was bought for me. See, I was buying 45s randomly just because of, of. Not when you were three. No, but I was like four or five or six <laughs> or seven. My parent, my parents, wait, and you I were would, four, and you're like at the record store, like I would like to no, buy we, this. We would go, we would go to because you know, again, my brothers were older, so records were in the house already. So we would go to uh, like the Caldor or the Zare. Caldor. <laughs> Yeah. And and they would have the, the the cutout bins. Of course, I didn't know what a cutout was, so but they were just cheap. So they were like you know fifty yeah. cents or whatever. And I would just pick one that looked good, and I can't remember what it was. Was it art? It was the label. It was the label art. It was you know like, like the capital swirl was always an appealing thing to me. But I remember the first. I think the first deliberate forty five I ever bought was Gary Newman's Cars. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. And, and of course, then, you know, you play the A side a bunch of times and you're like, yeah, yeah, A side's good. Sure. What's, on, what's on the B side? And it's his song, Metal. <laughs> yeah, can anybody, yeah, can anybody know? Yeah. Metal is, a, is even a better song in a way. I mean, some, in some ways it's not, but. B sides are worthy of a devoted field of study. Yeah. But they are. Yeah, I think that. Totally. I think that's my earliest memory of a deliberate 45 purchase. Like, I went and sought it out. I suppose. All right, my That's first crazy. 45 I actually bought on purpose. I bought when I was seven. Yeah, I was seven because my best friend and I were on a big Beatles kick. And it was um, Hey Jude on one side and... I'm forgetting what was on. Well, the original B-side was paid, it Lady Madonna. Yes, the re the reissue. It was Lady Madonna. The reissue was Lady Madonna. But I think the original B-side of of 
Okay, I'm going to buzz myself after I do the research when I'm editing this, but I think the original B-side was actually, you know my name, look up the number. Turns out we were all wrong. 1968, Hey Jude was backed with Revolution. In 1970, Let It Be was backed with You Know My Name, Look Up the Number. And earlier in 1968, Lady Madonna was backed up with The Inner Light. Now, there may have been other reissues of these singles with alternate B-sides. I don't know. And I'm not really going to bother looking them up. But there probably was. Because that is the way of the Beatles catalog. And we'll be back in just a moment. We have a very generous partner to meet for tea. We really appreciate them very much because mm-hmm. it's through ad support that we stay in print. So without further ado, let me tell you about Sucre Bay. Sucre Bay is perfume made by weirdos like you. And they're a cruelty-free, women-owned indie perfume and body products company who love making people smell good. Each scent is crafted by hand in their Washington State Lab, located in the woods. And honestly, I don't know where else you can find fragrances with names like Sea Hag, Don't Panic, Siren Song, Goth as Fuck. Those are just a few of their bestsellers. So great. They have all sorts of other things too, bath care products. And also they... They partner with a lot of interesting people, including our friend Sarah McCartney of 4160 Tuesdays. Sucre Bay is one of the few places in the States you can get yourself some 4160 Tuesdays fragrances. Yes. So head on over to sucrebay.com. Check out their wares. And we thank them Check for... Check the show notes for the proper spelling. Mm-hmm. And thank you very, very or much, Sucre Bay. should I do it on Sucre mic Bay. now? Oh, yeah. You know what? How's it spelled? Yeah. So if you just go to S-U-C-R-E-A-B-E-I-L-L-E.com, that'll get you there. Yeah. We really appreciate their support. Thank you so much, Sucre Bay. Thank you so much, Sucre Bay. We love you. And welcome back. Yeah, my best friend Erica and I would sing along with all things, including like, choo, 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 choo. Like, we'd try to do the whole, like, all the... <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome. You were you were young. Oh yeah, just just into it. We we would sit in front of the TV. Well, this is supposed to be you guys talking, not me talking. Switch <laughs> gears. We're all talking. But we would get my little um I had a bell and howl tape recorder compliments of my dad, who at the time was a media services coordinator. So we had all kinds of tech in the house and we'd plug it in and get in front of Saturday morning TV and record like grammar rock and and the Jackson five cartoon show. I'm just a verb. I'm just a verb. I'm just a verb. verb. I'm a bill. I'm a bill. (laughs) Well, for me, it's multiplication rock. Do you remember multiplication rock? rock? All of it. Do Do you remember? Um, th- okay, everybody, everybody who's listening to this podcast right now needs to 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 once you're done listening to this, go look up. I got six. 
I remember I got six. I got six is rad. It's it's one of the fucking funkiest tunes ever recorded. It's so good. <laughs> I don't remember that one, but I'm sure if I hear it, I do. Yeah, you, know, you, you you will. You will. You'll be like, oh, right, yeah. I got six. That's all there is. I know. I just got to chill thinking about it. That's how rad it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So you're a nurse and an x-ray tech. You guys are so smart. See, you guys figured out how to work in a medical profession and work a little and earn more. Mm. And we figured out how to work more solely more. as creatives and work all the time and, and earn, earn less. less. <laughs> That's where we are right now. <laughs> oh, solidarity, so, yeah, friends. Solidarity. So it's it's cyclical. I get it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said this at this age, going into a uh, book, bookstore business. Wow, <laughs> yeah, we're working way more than we were before. But it's good work, you know. It's work that you love, and you yeah. love being around books and oh. and ideas and people and you know, having events and music. It's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I think it's part of just why we're on earth is just to, to like, if, if you have that creative urge and you pursue it, yeah, maybe yeah. you're not getting any financial reward from it specifically, but right. boy, is it satisfying. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm curious Absolutely. when the shift from Splendor, Solis, uh, I'm, I'm gleaning, I, well, you could have dropped some hints that the pandemic sort of made things go from push to shove from when it was just an online yep. to brick and mortar. So tell me the trajectory. Tell me the exciting birth story of Splendor Solis brick and mortar. Yeah, sure. So and next we'll make the documentary. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, well, pre pandemic Splendor Solis, we were online as you know, as we, and we were also doing events. We were um, like part of, the, part of the idea was that like we would set up a table somewhere, throw some books out, and sell books in person. But in you know as a mobile sort of thing, with visions of us with the little van, you know, that we'd eventually have with the back like a open up and mobile of some yeah. sort. Um, so we were you know developing that because the concept being that like. When we used to go to flea markets, I would always like somebody had books at their table. I would beeline right over there. You know, it's like, and it, it occurred to me, it's like, why are people selling books out in the public, like you know, everywhere all the time? That's what I want to, you know, that's that would interest me. And so, well, then you know, naturally, it came to the one I just do that, or us do that together. So, um, the online, like around 2019, we were selling online. Um, we started, you know, we had our, did our business name and then started doing, um, looking at events like makers markets and things like that. Psychic fairs, steampunk festivals, nice. fairs. we would go set up a table and hang out and, you know, bring four five, six boxes of books and, and see what we could do. Um, and it took us a while to find the events that were a little more worth the effort. 
um, like psychic fairs. We, you know, I thought we were being, like, well, we're going to have a lot, you know, we tend to carry sort of like the culty stuff. So we figured psychic fair, they're going to be all over that. Nope. Yeah, it was just the opposite. There was people that go to psychic fairs seem to want two things. They want to get their tarot cards read and then they want to like do like a spa thing and buy some, um, some crystals. That's pretty much it. At least that was the experience that we had. The psychic fairs didn't really pay off, but, um, we um we met some great people down in um down in south of Connecticut down in what what was that town? But we're on New Haven. Um, there were uh, an oddities fair set up by these uh, uh these two twins twins the Frankenstein Ooh. twins Al <laughs> and Finn. And Is that really, really their great. last name? Oh, yeah. it's like escaping me! Oh my god! Yeah, it's blanking. <laughs> But they're online as they're online as, as the, the Frankenstein twins, and they do a oddities fair once once a year, um, and it was oh, just really cool. nice. Great, great community, great people. Um, lots of it was fun. Um, and our stock just fit in. You know, it was like we had stuff about you know, stuffed birds and animals. And, yeah, we had like, taxidermy mm-hmm. and Carol and Poe, and you know black magic stuff and philosophy and poetry. We'd have, you know, Byron and, and things. And so they just kind of, you know, a lot of the, a lot of folks there just ate it up. So it was nice. Um, it was a great feedback, it was a good match. you know, it was good to, and it was good to be around people that were young and that were interested in that stuff. And that still felt a need to, you know, for the, for it. So that was really sort of inspiring for us. She's like, oh my God, he, you know, kids still want to read. Oh my God, you know, like, <laughs> it's a lie that, that they're just only looking at their phone all day. So that was in 2019. We did a couple events and then pandemic really kind of laid in and there was no more outdoor events for a while. For a good year. For about a year. And that's when we really jump-started the online thing. We got a website, did the things that people do for, you know, internet selling the next year came, and that's when we went to Boston. And that's when we really upped our ante in terms of doing outdoor events. Uh, we would do. We were doing like what two three a month for a good mm-hmm. period. Sometimes four a month. Uh, wow. we like in, every weekend. We yeah, that's a lot. Square a lot. Yep. Somerville. Somerville. South. Brighton. South. Uh, South. South Boston. South End. South End. Um, we just found all these like makers markets and and flea uh, markets um, that again vintage markets yeah and vintage kind of markets that really again the young crowd you know the alternative crowd really really was eating up uh, the type of books we were bringing and pretty yeah. much we could we were it got to a point where we could sell we could sell anything you know we were bringing leather bound you know franklin library of like you know sylvia plath and and so cool obi dick and but then the same token bringing like i would have like you know aristotle and and math uh math books and stuff so and <laughs> you know and there's people you know, like i was you know, one hand we'd be selling literature, on the other hand we'd be selling science. It was really mm. great. You know, it's something that we really love. And it was nice to be out with people. Like selling online was great, but I think doing those markets really showed us, like, hey, this 
this is nice to interact and have these mm-hmm. conversations, you know, just swap ideas and, and see what people's minds were about what we were selling and what they were thinking about it and what they were interested in. Um, so it, it kind of like threw us in that direction. We still weren't thinking of having a store. No, we still weren't talking about a brick and mortar yet. <laughs> not, not at that point, but by the, this was like a full season, which would be like from April to December of, you know, hoisting all these books oh <laughs> once a week. That's five, why you're fit. Five, yeah, it's fun. It was a lot. It was a lot of work. So when the fall came around, this 22, you know, we've been doing this a while. In the back of my head, I'm going, I don't know how much longer we can do this. <laughs> you know, we're coming yeah. up to the winter, which is good. We have the break. Yeah, they were they were a lot of fun. And surprisingly, we're still going to do them, just not to the degree <laughs> that yeah. we were doing them. Um, Fair enough. But yeah, it was it was the fall of 22 that you know, those thoughts were happening. Like, how are we going to continue this? Mm-hmm. We could do it. And then a bookseller friend uh, called us out of the blue, like in September. September. I think in September. And he said, um, "Hey, not sure if you're interested, but Gabriel Books wants to sell, but you know." you know, just word of mouth kind of thing. Are you interested? Mm. And I'm talking with them for a little while, got off the phone and we said, you know what? If we don't follow this and see where it leads, we're going to kick ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It was just Mm -hmm. like, what are we going to do? Where are we going to be in five years? Are we going to be lugging these books around? You know, <laughs> in our city. <laughs> yeah, Which is, yeah. you know, completely possible. But. And to, to add to that, if that's okay, it, it, it also, the thing, part of the thing was it ticked off all of the, all of, like, all the, we didn't really want a bookstore, but if we were going to have a bookstore, this was, this was going to be the bookstore we would want because, like, it, it, it kicked off everything in terms of like its size. It's sure. Located, I mean, it's in Northampton. It's like downtown Northampton. Um, it's been there forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so it's got history. It's so cute. It's so cute. It's yeah. So cute. It's so cute. And the, the books in there, I mean, they are just phenomenal. I have to say, I'm. We're still finding stuff. Like we're still going through boxes of books. Because you inherited um, the oh, backstock. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's so rad. Oh wow! Yeah, everything. I put that the together. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. The books, the shelves, the desk, everything. Even we had a cash register. <laughs> it's yeah, so adorable. Yeah. So you basically like turnkeyed it, and then discovered what you actually turnkeyed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. We went in a few times, you know, we'd look at the shelves, but it was just scratching at the surface, really. Um, oh, holy we shit. Went in there. I used and, to shop yeah. there. Yeah, well, that's exactly what we said. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There were stacks and stacks of books everywhere. And we're, like we, Kevin said, we still have books in the basement that we're bringing up all the time going, look at this can you believe what i just found that's so 
unbelievably cool. See, uh, that would be a fond dream of mine would be a field trip to that basement. <laughs> yep, yep. That's just that that would tell you what, Elizabeth. Next time you come over, we will we will we will bring you back on down the basement. All right. I will bring you a sourdough bowl. I'll give you sourdough <laughs> for basement. Like you've got a bribe in action. Then. I like <laughs> this transaction. That's a good transaction. Bread for say. bread for book viewing. Bread for books. Yeah. <laughs> geez, geez, that reminds me. I like the sound of that. When I was like, me too. It's a good slogan. (laughs) Sorry, baby. No, it's okay. I was like, I was like, um, like 13, 14 years old. Me and my, my best friend, Chris, who were like, we were both like complete record crate diggers more than once got offered a job to like sort through somebody's personal record collection. And, And in, in trade for alphabetizing it, we could keep some of the records. Oh, dream. I and, love and, alphabetizing. And, and one of them was literally a basement. It was it was probably two or three thousand records in a basement. Some of them were destroyed because of moisture, so they were not any uh, good. I actually have a couple this is a bad job for a person with mold allergies. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, we're good. I actually have a couple records that I did rescue from that in, in my collection to this day, but it was like, oh, oh, you mean we can we can get like, you know, a hundred dollars worth of records for doing like ten hours worth of alphabetizing? He and I were on it. (laughs) So good. So good. I'm going to go back to books. I mean, not that I don't, I can't talk about records because I can't wait till you come over. We've got like 2,000 albums. A few thousand. Records? Yeah. Books? Oh, books, records. Oh, books. There's easily 2,000 of those too. Seven inch singles. Yeah. I could open up my own bookstore, but I don't know what I'm going to part it with. Yeah, that's a lot. I know. I have I have a lot. (laughs) It was easier when I had it when I was professoring and had an office on campus where I could have my staff. Sure, yeah, right. That's how we our house is so much lighter now because all our books we moved moved 95 of our books to the shop. Yep. You've seen my nefarious ways. The only books I want to part with are <laughs> the, the very partables. <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to put a little free library out one out front with like Deepak Chopra. Like people would, <laughs> they'd, they'd form opinions. I'm, I'm I'm afraid. I think I'm going to subtitle this episode. Fuck you, Deepak Chopra. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Oprah too. <laughs> and your little dog Oprah too. Oh, hold on. Oh my god. So anyway. I finally did do the little bit of research. It has been a while since we published you, Kevin. You had your work in the Tet DeVoe issue. Yes. Which you should know our friends in the Unband played a show in Brooklyn that was hosted by Anthony Bourdain. (laughs) Which was a release. Oh, there's more to this story too, but yes, keep going. For um, Mike Rafino's book, the Adios, motherfuckers, which was on Anthony Bourdain's imprint. Yes. So it was the unbanned the book release for Adios, motherfuckers, and everything. And I made sure to bring a copy of the most recent issue, which was 
Tet DeVoe and um, <laughs> signed it from me to Anthony, <laughs> as one does. <laughs> wow. And met Anthony Bourdain, had my picture actually taken with him. But anyway, I, Kevin, I, I gave Anthony Bourdain a copy of that issue with your poetry in it. <laughs> signed by her to him. Which was probably, awesome. sadly, one of the last things he read yeah. for his unfortunate, untimely demise, yeah. which is only right. months mm-hmm. after that. It was and only months, really. Only months. It, it might it, six months max. He was he was such a gentleman too. He was so he was so sweet and so kind and so gracious when we met him. He was. He was very nice. He seemed genuinely happy to be he, there. I got to watch him having that copy of Meat for Tea tucked under his armpit all night long as he wandered around. He just had it tucked under oh, his cool. arm. Yeah. Just so your poems have been like tucked under the arm of Bourdain. That's that has significance. I'm gonna write that in my journal. Yes, under the armpit of Bourdain. There's there's your title. (laughs) Now, when you come over, you'll see in the living room. We've got a big framed print from the the poster from that show is is like one of our a a Tony Millionaire cartoon from it with Anthony Bourdain and everything. Adios, motherfuckers. There's a lot of swears on our walls. So. Actually, this oh, is whatever. a pretty sweary house. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> They're healthy. The Swears are healthy. Come on, there's been research done. No, they're good for your brain. Yeah. And uh, also, no, they definitely are. Yeah, that, that research came out fairly recently, if I recall. There was a new, there was, yes, pain there was. Relieving, uh, dopamine yeah. releasing. They, they do so much good for you. Brains do a body good. It shouldn't be got milk. It should be got swears. Yeah. Swearing does a body good. <laughs> and, and you know all those words that we've come to regard as impolite. You know the history, right? You know that's just a result of the great vowel shift that happened in the Middle Ages where all of a sudden the French and Latinate was considered the polite language. This is all social class snobbery. It's not rooted in anything other than Oh, that. right, right. Right. Yeah. That's what you say. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. You're right. Definitely. Yeah. So don't want to be snobby. Embrace some Anglo-Saxon. Yeah, we should not detain these good people too much longer. We're probably going to have to have you on for a part two. We should just do it live. Have you over for dinner. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And no, no. Come that. on over. Yeah, come on over and we'll just like hang around the, the dining room table. That's what we'll do next time. But I am going That'll to get... I know, because we could just clearly talk all night. And I do want the map of all those oddities fairs, because I love Uh, oddities. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll let you know. Yeah. Did you watch uh, that series when it was on? No. What was it? Oddities. Literally called Oddities. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think they developed that off of, like, the New York Oddity show or something like that. Yeah. Really, really fun. Actually, that's a really good segue, because I think we should probably start getting into the, uh, you know... The questions. Yeah. And they start with, <laughs> what are you reading these days? I'm reading, I'm more fiction. I like fiction. And I'm reading a young adult novel. Do you? I, and I love, I love YA. I never, since I was young, read YA books. And I had come across this one called The Monster Calls. You may have heard of it. Um, no. I can think of his 
author's name off the top of my head. The movie, it's a was a book first, beautifully illustrated. And I looked at it a while ago and I thought, oh, I don't want to read a young adult novel. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I passed it by. And then a friend of mine recently just said, hey, let's do a book club with this book. And he said the name of the book. And I just sold it at the shop. To him. Oh, nice. But I got another copy of it. Mm-hmm. I'm reading it and it's, it's fabulous. It's just the illustrations, the story, the monster, the child. I, I can't recommend it enough. Really good. I don't want to give it away. So I'm not going to say much about it. Yeah, no spoilers. But, um, Email yeah. or or message me the the title and the author's name when you have it, and we'll we'll be sure to put that in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. I actually let me grab it. I, I want it. to read that. I love reading YA. I, I think I'm addicted now. I I really like it. You know what? It's 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 great, and I I feel like I mean I'm gonna sound snobby, but. Instead of just grabbing whatever bodice ripper is by the cash register in your grocery store because you're not feeling up to a solid literary read, well-written YA is a good relaxing read, and you can still have something that holds up as far as the writing. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Do you read Francesca Leah Block? Check out Francesca Leah Block. I I I, I bet. Yep, and I bet most of her books are on a lot of banned books lists right now because she dealt oh, with. Really? Oh, cool. Yeah, well, she dealt with things like teenagers having sex and doing drugs and yep. drinking and being gay and being trans. Nice. Yeah. That's. Um, I'm trying to expand that that YA section in our store too, actually. Because I know it's hard because it's like. You know, like I went to a book sale this 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 morning actually to pick up uh, a place down in Connecticut for uh, library stuff, and um, I was like, I'm not really a fiction person per se, um, so I'm like, Diane was at the shop keeping the shop open, and I was looking at books. And I'm like, <laughs> I, re- I don't exactly know which one, you know. Like I was going through their fiction section, and I was struggling with like the YA because I'm like, I don't know which ones. Like I know the like the ones that are like. You know, Aragon and, you know, mm-hmm. Hunger Game. I mean, I'm yeah. familiar with them, but I don't know yeah. what, you know, I mean, those are, I mean, they're already kind of out at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, so. I think it's, it's good to read them to know what's out there. And, um, yeah, like that author that you were talking about. Francesca Leah Block. Yeah, yeah. she's definitely something to check out to expand upon because I, I've had people come in, young people come in and actually ask for, do you have YA or NA, which I never heard before. What is that? New adults. Oh, new adult. So after young, yeah. which, which comes first? I guess new comes after. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was clever. That's very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm pretty well familiar Anyway, Kevin, it is your turn officially. <laughs> <laughs> He's chopping at the bit. <laughs> I can feel it through, the, through, the, I'm through my cue earbuds. The, the bell sound effect. <laughs> Ding. 
wants to share. I guess, about, which is really, it's going to be anticlimactic. No, you, you're reading like oh, five books, though. I, of course. I'm the person that has a stack of books by their bed. Well, I mean, we all are. Uh, I way. think so. But I actually don't read a lot of, I don't, I read very little fiction now. I read primarily nonfiction. And I actually, the way my reading habits have become so distilled that, um, I, it's like I pretty much like I study. I don't read anymore. Hmm. Goes to bed with a pencil and a pencil sharpener. Yeah. Oh wow. A pencil yeah, sharpener. So I, Be careful, yeah, Diane. A pencil sharpener. It's already got an eraser too. It's great. <laughs> um, it's very sensual. Um, <laughs> oh man. Um, I'm reading uh, right now. I'm working through um, this book called Modal Renaissance Modal Counterpoint by Peter Schubert. That sounds cool, though. Yeah, it's it's in it's it's um, it's about how to write um like polyphony music from Renaissance. Yeah, yeah. So no, uh, I love that. Theory. So I and that's what I mean by like that's the kind of reading that I actually do now. It's um, it's almost all directed to in that sort of way. Uh, I'm actually into music theory and polyphony. I, I could talk about that for a while. Actually, um happy Dave Brubeck day, by the way. Yeah. Five Dave four. Brubeck day. Yeah. Serious. Five four. Five it's four. Five four today. Oh, right. Five four. <laughs> these are these are difficult times. Yeah, yes, you know, you know, you know I did not know that one. That's- yeah, no, I, I like that way better than than May the Fourth. It's, it's Dave Brubeck Day. I have yeah. now changed that day. My association Dave, with that day would be Brubeck Day. Dave Brubeck Day. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you're welcome. That is priceless. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are you guys listening to these days? What's on your turntable or whatever device you use to listen to? What you I've like to been put in your ears. listening to a lot of XTC lately. Yay! Yes! Oh my god! Oh my god! I think I just blew up my microphone preamp, yelling "Yay!" into the microphone. They are one of my favorite <laughs> bands. <laughs> oh, we we need to we need to have our own podcast, just the two of us geeking out on XTC. Which <laughs> <laughs> you did on on the Notes McGoats podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I was on the Notes McGoats podcast last year. Um, talking about their album, um, and and by the way, they had never well, they thought they'd never heard of the band. Turns out, when they did the deep dive into their catalog, they actually knew a bunch of the songs, of course. But I did. Yeah. I, I chose. I chose the album, uh, The Big Express. So, yay, fellow XTC fan. <laughs> no, no. Okay, hold I on. I love Wait. XTC. She said Skylarking though. That was oh, the Skylarking album, right? is fucking great too. Skylarking is my favorite these days. This it's is nice. Uh, Oh, please, please elaborate. Oh, not much to elaborate on. I just love his voice, and I, I don't know. I just yeah. it just takes me away. What's the song? Um, oh God, now I gotta look it up. I think it's the second song in the album. How, how quick are you? Grass. Grass is the second yes. song. Yeah. Yes. It just it just takes me away. I love oh, it. Oh yeah. Yeah, I love them dear too. God. Yeah, yeah. Which of course wasn't wasn't originally on the uh, orig- uh, the initial release of the record, and then because no, I I was surprised actually yeah, to hear it yeah. on there. what album is it on. Well, it was a B side. It was the B side of oh, 
Oh, Jesus. Now I'm blanking. It was one of the singles. The first single. Okay. Um, and then all the American DJs flipped the single over and put on grass because they were like, I mean, I mean, sorry, dear God, because they were like, this is awesome. And of course the, you know, the religious right freaked out in the United States and XTC. As they love to do over anything. It became a huge hit where they actually replaced it. Um, Mermaid Smiled, I think was the song that was on the album originally. And then that got Uh replaced. I have both versions of the record, of course, because I'm Oh, okay. yeah. you wait till you see oh, I'm the freak, vinyl I'm collection. A, I'm a freaking completist with XTC. Oh, I don't I can't have wait to hear it on vinyl. I want to hear oh, it. On- oh, I've got I've got several. That's versions. in your future. <laughs> but but yeah. um, uh, what was my point here? Was um, that was originally a B side, and then it became a hit because American DJs flipped it over, and then then. The label went, oh, we need to re-sequence the record. So, yeah. <laughs> what are you listening to, Kevin? Uh, well, it's like all of us. It's like, well, where do I start? Mm-hmm. Album, uh, the Greek album there. Listen. We listen to a lot of Greek music. Nice. Oh. Um, there's a band that we uh, we discovered back in the '90s, Donami Togeo, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, well, I'll send you a link to them at some yeah, point. Yeah, please. That's uh, uh, like a combination of like Greek and Turkish style. It's um, yeah, they're really beautiful. It's not. It's funny because it's not really just folk melodies, but they kind of interpret interpret them a little bit differently. Uh, mm. So it's kind of nice. But I've been listening to a lot of um, Spaceman Free, actually. I love Spaceman Free. Oh, my God. Uh, One band I wish I saw when I had the opportunity. I know. I can't believe I never saw them live. I would have loved to see them live. Or even Spiritualized. I would have liked to see Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love Spiritualized, too. So good. Yeah, you guys would probably Mm -hmm. enjoy it over here. (laughs) Yeah. I think it would not be a hard time for you. You you would have fun record. I I love my I don't know about you guys, but I love my music really loud when I'm in the car. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I can hear him driving down the street uh, when he's coming home. Something about <laughs> loud music. I can usually hear when my husband comes home if he's listening to music. <laughs> yeah. And I'm upstairs. This is the upstairs apartment, and I can yeah. usually still hear. Problem is, is that most of the time when I'm coming loud. home, most of the time when I'm coming home, I'm actually listening to NPR. So. Oh, so I'm just hearing. Bom, 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 bom. <laughs> or you're, you're just hearing. And what's on your turntable, Mark? Well, okay. Oh, this this new band. This well, they're not that that new. I think they've got two or three records. No, but the new obsession. But uh, orchestra. Okay. Puissant Marcel Duchamp. Um, Jim Neal, you know, Jim Neal, Jim Neal's jukebox on WRSI. If you don't, it's a Sunday night show. It's my old friend, Jim Neal, who I've known since I was 13 years old. And he is still an amazing DJ. Last week he played this song called, oh God, what is it called? Like the song is called so many things, parentheses, 
to feel guilty about. And That's so, a writing prompt. So it does sell writing. Well, actually, right? the, actually, the middle section of the song, like the lead singer, it kind of goes off on that, which is amazing. But so Jim Neal plays this song. I'm driving in the car. I'm like fumbling from my phone. Like, you know, you're not supposed to use your phone to do anything while you're driving. But I'm like, OK, I need to Shazam this song. This record by them is one of the best records I've heard. Sick in, good, in my estimation. This is one of the best records that I have heard. I can vouch. I'm obsessed with oh, it, Oh, that's too. a big statement. It, no, it's seriously one of the best records I've heard in the past year or two. No, in the past long while. Like I think the last time my head was blown wide open like that was Stereolab's Emperor Tomato Ketchup. You know, if I'm going to make one recommendation on this particular episode, that is the one. Go check that record out. It's, I don't even know how to nice. describe it. I was trying, trying to describe it to my son. And I was like, it's like orchestral meets electronica. And then I realized there's no electronica. No. <laughs> but, but, but yet it's influenced by electronica or it's influenced by right. rock or something. And he, and he looked at me and he goes, no, I get what you're saying. I was like, all right, man, you're you're pretty cool. Yeah. That's cool. He, he picked up on it. That's really good yeah. to hear it. Yeah, it was cool. Moving down. Oh, you have to send, send us the link to it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we we totally will. We'll, we'll put it all in the notes. Moving down, we, we start at a higher brow and we move ever lower. Um, what are you watching these days? Watching. Oh, uh -huh. what we watch together. Or, uh, or you can answer separately, depending on your viewing habits. I don't judge. Yeah, no, we watch. We <laughs> we've been watching thing with David Spader. This Blacklist. Ooh, on Netflix. Have you Ooh. seen it? No, no, no. She shoots everybody. Everybody gets fucking shot. It's fine. <laughs> yes. Like what's his name? David Spader or? Spader, yeah. He used to play with um, uh, William Shatner in, in Boston Legal. Um, he was a it's James Spader. Yeah, okay. James Spader. Yeah, James, yeah. James Spader. <laughs> and, yep. Sorry, yeah. David Spader, Tom Spade. It's yeah. all the same to us. I love it. I love it. David Spade, James Spader. And then Spader. there's that Motorhead song. The Ace of Spades. <laughs> <laughs> That's the age of spare. I feel like it felt in this, in this conversation. Yeah. It fit somehow to me. Jamie <laughs> Spader. TV shows. Kevin's not really into I'm a wicked snob. I'm a TV snob. I, 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 yeah, I won't even go there. I, I was. <laughs> but then the golden age of great television happened. Yeah, there's a lot of good shows. Certainly Holy shit. Is. Yellow Jackets. Oh, I, haven't I, I, haven't, I haven't started it yet. I've been I've been watching how that seems like it's pretty cool. It, it's extremely cool. Yeah, then there's like what 1899? Is that one the German one? Yeah, that bullets? looks interesting too. I haven't watched that because yeah. there's only so many hours in a day. And yeah. beef. For me, I like, know. I don't know about you guys, but it's like about time. Yeah. It's like, I, I, you know, it's hard. I have a hard time to find, like, fitting it into my, my brain space to watch TV. Oh, yeah. 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 I, 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 
I make the brain space. It's basically our late yeah. evenings. That's that how we fit it in. Yeah. It's, it's the reward for getting all your shit done. Oh, what's yeah. oh God, what's it what's it called? The the, 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 the William Gibson. Oh, peripheral. Per the peripheral. Oh, check it out. If you like science fiction, check out the peripheral. Oh, cool. Speculative huh. fiction. William Gibson deserves better than to be. Yeah, he's put not on just science fiction. Margin. William it's Gibson is, is speculative fiction. He's amazing. That's how literary people talk about science fiction. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm not a literary person. I mean, I guess yeah, I'm nighttime not. time when we with you. Yeah, well, my my deep and dark secret is when I release a new issue of Meat for Tea. I like to treat myself to a new season of. Real Housewives of whichever city. City. <laughs> <laughs> of what? Real Housewives. Oh, that. Of well, it does city. matter. Doesn't Some matter. cities are better than others, but um, uh, yeah. She's a real housewife. I, I just like to completely just flush the brain matter. Apparently, from no, time to enough, time. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, in in all since we're sharing our 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 um, our vulnerable parts of our <laughs> the TV gross ones, <laughs> we will have ones. to say that like our our guilty pleasure is um what's it called? Ghost whisperer. Oh my god, oh, real, that sounds wild. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think it's up to It's truly terrible. Yeah. I have room in my life for awful. <laughs> I make space for it. I enjoy I enjoy things that are truly in very, very bad taste. Exactly. That's a good way of looking at it. It's like a hot dog, right? A good really hot dog quickly. is a thing. We've got just a couple minutes. I think we've done this, oh, right? They should tell people where they can find them and follow them exactly. on social media. That's exactly where I was going. What sales and events and all the cool promote yourselves. Our Instagram account is Splendor underscore Solus underscore books. And it's rad. We are on uh, the internet at www.splendorsolusbooks.com. And I think we have a Facebook account as well. You do. And we're on 21 Market Street in Northampton. Yes, most importantly. And we're open Wednesday through Saturday, Sunday. Wednesday through Sunday is our, our opening. We're 11 to, 11 to 6 Wednesday through Saturday and 11 to 5 on Sundays. And it's a charming, charming spot to visit. And I urge everybody to make it a destination spot. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys, for having us and talking. And laughing. Oh, thanks for hanging in through the tech headaches. Cool. It's all good. Oh, the books, The Monster Calls, is by Patrick Ness. N-E-S-S? N-E-S-S. Yep. Yes. Got it. Excellent. Into the show notes it goes, and I think I'm going to have to put it into my eyeballs. And under the wire, it remains in the podcast. Thank you, folks. That yeah, was thanks so much. This has been a blast. Well, Thank you, guys. It's been a lot wonderful. of fun. All right. Low few. Love you. <laughs> Love you too. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.
All right. Wasn't that fun? That was a lot of fun. Aren't they delightful? They are really, really wonderful. Western Mass peeps, get over to Splendor Solace. They've got so much lovely stuff, and including a goodly selection of Meat for Tea magazines and books. I don't know how that came to be. <laughs> Gee, go figure. Magic. <laughs> Alchemy. Oh, mercy. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll call it magic and alchemy. Be excited because this fall, at a future date, Christian Livermore will be traveling back out our way from the UK, and she'll be doing a reading from the novel of hers we're publishing, The Very Special Dead, at a number of locations, including Splendor Solace. Yeah, we'll be... Uh updating you with the actual dates and stuff as that gets closer, but it's going to be sometime this fall. October for sure. Yeah. Well, terrific. I think we did it. We did it. We did it. Did you do it? Did you you finish listening to this and and share it on all your social media? Yeah, go do that. Did you do it? Go do that. I hope you did. All right. Thanks a lot, folks. Thanks for sticking around and listening to the Meat for Tea cast. We will see you in a couple weeks. The Meat for Tea cast is produced by Elizabeth McDuffie and Meat for Tea, The Valley Review. Mixed by Mark Allen Miller at Sewn Lab, East Hampton, Massachusetts. Visit Meat for Tea at www.meatfortea.com. Please consider going to anchor.fm to make a contribution through our contribution page. You can reach us through meatforteacast at gmail.com or you can leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash meat for tea cast. We welcome suggestions for contents for the meat for tea cast. If you've attended a meat for tea Cirque and want to hear from one of the bands or one of the spoken word contributors, please let us know. All portions are copyright meat for tea and their respective holders. Vote for meat for tea on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Elizabeth. Meat for Tea on Instagram and on the Meat for Tea and Meat for Tea cast Facebook pages. Meat for Tea is available everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>